You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. You, you feel this, this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank caller. Prank caller. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Packernet After Dark, whatever it's called thing. And yes, you're hearing my voice because believe it or not, we got more voicemails, which means you all seem to like what it is we did. You want more of it. You're getting more of it. If you want to participate in the show, 608-501-0718 is the phone number to call. Put it in your phone. Save it so you'll never lose it ever again. Now, it is true that uh, about 50% of the calls were from JJ again. So this is JJ's uh, episode part two. But um, uh, we could also thank the fact that I somehow just missed a couple from the time before. So between JJ's calls, the two or so that I missed, and a handful more, we got ourselves a show, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, the uh, regularity of the show is completely up in the air. It could be daily, could be weekly, could be never again. That's going to be entirely up to you. So if you want more, go ahead and call in. Post the number on a billboard, on a bathroom stall. Give it to your friends, your family, your cat. I don't care. But let's start off with one of the calls that I somehow inexplicably missed from before. I don't have a name. I don't have much else. But here we go. Let's get it started. Hello, Ryan. I just bet my Bears friend, who I work in the OR with, $50 that the Bears do not win more than five games this season. Just wanted to get your opinion on it. Thank you. So we had a similar question from Bruce yesterday or two days ago when we did the show about um, the Lions and how many games they're going to win. Um, right off the top of my head, I've, I've kind of gone through this already. The, the Bears are going to really struggle to win five games. There's no question about it. Now, from the optimistic Bears fans point of view, there's only one way that you can rationally see yourself getting. Well, there's two ways. Number one, I'm a Bears fan. I like the Bears. Five wins is a garbage record. I don't think I have a garbage team, therefore, whatever. Not very in-depth. But I think if we're going to look at this rationally, you have to start with where were we last year and are we better or worse? Well, the Bears were 6-11 and last year. So if we start with that and say that the Bears are worse, which I think they are, I, I don't know how you don't come up to five wins. I mean, the, the difference being it's a different schedule, so maybe you could say it's an easier schedule, therefore maybe it's going to be six-ish again. I, I don't really know, but I think it's at least very reasonable to say that the Bears have regressed, right? And, and I've said this before, but Bears fans can talk all they want about, well, Khalil Mack really wasn't as impactful as he used to be. And, you know, Akeem Hicks isn't the Akeem Hicks that we used to know and love. And Eddie Goldman hasn't been that good since he... And we can go down the line and make all the excuses we want. And all those those offensive linemen that left didn't mean all that much. And Allen Robinson is Allen Robinson, but he didn't have that good of a year last year. So we can minimize the impact of these losses individually. But collectively, let's be completely honest. Your team is significantly worse. The offensive line got worse. The wide receivers are worse. Your pass rushers, your defensive line, linebackers, safeties, corners, you lost guys. 
And so the only thing you can hope for is that some of the guys that you have get better. And the biggest one, obviously, is Justin Fields. And that's where I think Bears fans are probably, if you're making a bet and they're betting they get more than five, I mean, again, it's it's most likely probably just optimistic Bears fans saying you're an idiot Packer fan. We're not as bad as you think, blah, blah, blah. But if they're being even slightly rational and trying to think things through, the only thing that you can hang your hat on in terms of we're going to get to six again and not just be the absolute worst team in football is that Justin Fields will have a better year. And probably a lot of that has to do with the belief, which I think is a completely faulty belief that Bears fans have, that all of our issues were tied to our coach. He was the worst coach in history. And if we had even an adequate coach, he would have been able to figure out ways to get Justin Fields to look like a Hall of Fame quarterback and get this offense moving. And now that we got rid of that dead weight and brought in what the Packers have, because obviously what the Packers did offensively being as good as they have been isn't because of guys like Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams and the offensive line and all that. No, no, it's because of Matt LaFleur and his offensive scheme. And now we have that scheme, so we're going to be just as good as the Packers offense, so everything's just fine. Aaron Rodgers got his MVP not because he's an MVP quarterback, because of Matt LaFleur. Granted, there's a thread of truth to that, but it's, it's still Aaron Rodgers is clearly on a separate plane. So there's a lot of delusion from Bears fans about things just automatically getting better. Now, that doesn't mean some things don't get better, but there's still a question of, is it going to get so much better that it compensates for how many things have gotten worse? You know, I mean, if you just look at how many games you're expected to win, um, or I shouldn't say expected to win, but how many games the Bears are favorited in, I believe it right now is at two. If everything goes as Vegas expects, the Bears are looking at two wins. Now, obviously, Vegas is not saying they think they're actually going to win two games, but that that's where you're at right now. There, there are two games on the season, is my understanding, that you're expected to to be the favorites. You're opening the season against the 49ers, a, a team, by the way, that is in the same situation as you, probably worse. They also don't have a quarterback, right? They, they've got a rookie that didn't even play last year because he was so bad. That team, with a quarterback with no experience, is opening up almost seven-point favorites over the Chicago Bears. So even if we remove the Justin Fields equation, your roster is so abysmally horrible that even if we call the quarterbacks equal, and I would give Justin Fields an edge over Trey Lance, seven-point underdogs, six and a half. But, you know, it's, it's crazy to me. That's a big number, man. And so just, just going through it, I mean, the 49ers, with the caveat that anything is possible, 49ers, clearly I'm taking the 49ers over the Bears. Packers, I'm clearly taking the Packers. Texans, iffy. They don't have much. But they seem to like Davis Mills a lot. I don't really know why, but he certainly showed more promise than Justin Fields did. Um, And so it's kind of just two bad teams smashing into each other. The Giants, I mean, we can pretend that the Giants and Bears are both bad and the Bears are probably better because we just love to hate the Giants. I think the Giants have a better roster. The Vikings are better. Commanders are clearly better. Patriots are miles better. The Cowboys are much better. The Dolphins are better. Another team that, you know, I'm not a big Dolphins fan. I think they get too much credit every single year, but... Um, comparatively, Tua is better than Justin Fields. The wide receivers are way better. The offensive line is better. The tight ends are better. We got the whole Gasicki situation going on, but he's still on the team this year. As far as I know, the defense is actually quite solid. So they're better. The Lions, you know, I don't know exactly who's better, but we could say you split there. Um, Falcons, you got a shot. The Jets, you got a shot. Packers, no shot. Eagles, no shot. Bills, no shot. Lions again and Vikings again. So, I mean, I can see a path, but here's the situation. We can pick out, let's pick out t- teams that are that are somewhat likely that you win. We got the Texans, the Giants, the Lions twice, 
Um, Falcons, Jets, and that's pretty much it. That's six games. Now, granted, you might win one that's, you know, you could beat the Vikings once, the Packers once, I doubt it, but who you know, whatever. There, there could be some weird upset here somewhere. But that's six. If you win all of these games in which you play teams that are almost on your level as far as how bad they are, but you're going to lose some of them. If you're 50% on these games, that's three wins. And then we throw in one or two that, um, that, that you win that you shouldn't. You know, you beat the 49ers week one in some kind of a fluke. You beat the Vikings once. Maybe you beat the Eagles or something. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, that puts you at five. If you win six, then you are well above expectation in terms of winning all the games that you're supposed to win, which nobody does. The Packers are favorites in just about every single game that they play, and they're not going to win all those. They're going to lose a game here and there to a game they're su- to a team they're supposed to win against, right? It happens to every single team. So, I mean, you, you can bet on the over. It's possible, but it's, it's not a good bet. And I, I think you put it at the right number. They will not win more than five games. I think five games is possible, but I'm, I'm leaving that on, uh, on somewhat of the high end. It's kind of like when I did the, the over-under on, um, I don't know, another one of these podcasts I've done. I'm doing so many at this point, I can't keep them straight. But, you know, to, to be able to get over is so much more unlikely than all the scenarios in which you would be under. And again, this is largely predicated on Justin Fields being a much better quarterback. If he is not a much better quarterback with everything getting much worse, I don't see how they even get to five. Really don't. Because there's just, there's just nothing. Fields is bad. The offensive line is bad. The wide receivers are bad. The tight end is bad. The, the running back is decent, but clearly overrated and has no passing game to lean on. There's no running, uh, run blocking to lean on. He's got nothing to work with. The defensive tackles are terrible. The edge rushers are not great, especially considering the one good pass rusher you have had a massively inflated season last year and will not replicate that again. The linebackers are cl- way overrated. The corners are overrated by Bears fans, considering they've only got one adequate corner who you guys think is great, and he's not. And the safeties are not good, which you're finally coming around to, which I've been saying since 2019. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's a good bet. No, there's, there's no sure bet. So if you lose, then I'm sorry, but I, I think you made the wise bet. Another call from the other day that I missed. Again, no, uh, no name here, but let's see what uh, somebody's got to say about Rashawn Gary. Hi, Ryan. I was calling in to ask if um, Rashawn Gary and Khalil Mack had similar career progressions. I remember when I looked up Khalil Mack at the beginning of his uh, trade deal going to the Chicago Bears, I remember thinking that immediately that he didn't have the highest sack totals, but he was considered a top-tier pass rusher. And I was wondering if there was any correlation because Rashawn Gary hasn't had a lot of sack conversions, but he has a high pressure rate. If any comparisons, I think it would be kind of cool to go over. Thanks. Appreciate it, buddy. Bye. So the the biggest difference, there's a pile of guys. When I did my Rashawn Gary thing on the Substack, which you should check that out, packernet.substack.com. But I, I there's a lot of details in there. Um, and different categories of pass rushers. And one of the major differences, I would say, between Khalil Mack and Rashawn Gary, and I, and I want to point out that this doesn't necessarily mean better pass rusher exactly, but the elite of the elite guys, some of the real top guys, they hit the ground running, which is to say, as rookies, they come out, they usually have good stats, and they have really good grades. So they're just 90, 90, 89, 92, 87. This is just every single year. Von Miller... Um, Cameron Wake, Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, TJ, uh, not TJ Watt. TJ Watt did not, I don't think. 
But these are just freaks of nature that come into the NFL and they're just ready to rock and roll. They're, they're so, just so talented. So right there, I would say categorically, those two aren't the same in that regard. Just to, to compare the two, for example, Khalil Mack, um, since 2014, he started off as a rookie, 86.9 overall grade, and then 91.8, 92.5, 90.1, 90.8, 86.2, 92.5. His last year in Chicago, he had a 73 overall grade, but he was injured and whatnot, so I don't know if we can even necessarily count that. Plus, he's a Chicago Bear, and everybody there just kind of gave up and didn't want to be there. So, um, But the point is... that. There are a pile of guys that are just so superhuman that they just come into the NFL and they just, it's its just easy from day one. Rashawn Gary on the flip side, in terms of grades at least, um, he had a different path. He came in and had a 55.8 overall grade and then a 68 overall grade and then an 89.8. Now again, this isn't to say that Khalil is just better and is going to have a better, there, there are just different people have different career arcs. And Rashawn is just not the guy who came in and just dominated from day one, right? He super athletic, super high ceiling, but had some learning to do. He didn't get a lot of opportunities also. Uh, 256 snaps as a rookie is is nothing. One of the things that I'd mentioned about the comparison of Rashawn Gary to guys like TJ and JJ Wad is JJ and TJ didn't have good first years, but they had good second years. Rashawn had a good third year. However, TJ and JJ both played 800 some odd snaps in their rookie years, Rashawn Gary played about 800 snaps in his first two years. So based on snap counts, TJ Watt, JJ Watt, and Rashawn Gary played about 800 career snaps before they broke out. For Rashawn, that was year three. For those two guys, it was year two. But again, if you look at TJ Watt and JJ Watt, nobody's going to look at it and say, you know, guys like Khalil Mack and Von Miller are on a different level than TJ Watt. That's not true. Even Miles Garrett, um, Although I think his grades from day one were pretty good, but his stats are not quite on that level. But TJ Watt is maybe the best pass rusher in football right now. He didn't start off day one as a great pass rusher. So again, different categorically, but then how good their careers are from here is a separate category. Now, you are correct, however, about Rashawn Gary, or excuse me, about Khalil Mack maybe not being in year one the best pass rusher statistically. He had 54... 54 pressures, 479 attempts, but only four sacks on the season. So I don't personally remember this. I, my memory is garbage, but you're you're right in your recollection that coming in, there was all this hype and all this excitement, but the production wasn't quite there. I don't remember what the narrative was. And my, my remembrance, for whatever that might be, is that Khalil Mack came into the league, was dominant, and everybody acknowledged it. But there may have been a, you know, what the heck, only four sacks, that sucks. And this is PFF stats, which are usually higher than than actual NFL. I don't know what his official number is, and I don't feel like looking it up. But even on a pressure standpoint, he's only at 11 some odd percent, which is not that great. And then it was in year two, 16 sacks and 82 pressures on 581 attempts. He jumps up to 14%, which is phenomenal. And again, as a rookie, he had 1,000 snaps in. So that that's basically... Rashawn's year three is kind of like a year two. So statistically speaking, Khalil didn't really hit that those numbers until year two. Same with TJ Watt, same with JJ Watt, same with kind of Rashawn Gary, if you look at it from a snap count standpoint as opposed to a, a, an actual year standpoint. So you could say that there are some similarities there. I, I tend to put them in a different category just because I look at these grades and numbers so often that I kind of get to see the patterns. And different people, again, have these different trajectories. And Khalil just kind of gets put into a separate category of these guys that just hit the ground running and are freaks from day one, as opposed to the guys that maybe take a couple years to kind of get to that point. But again, the 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 
at the end of the day, it's kind of just a matter of where are you at? And, and what Rashawn did last year is better than what even guys like Miles Garrett, and nobody will acknowledge that. They'll say Miles is way better than Rashawn. But from a statistical standpoint, Rashawn Gary did something that Miles Garrett has never done. Miles Garrett lives in the 13% pressure rate category. That's where he lives, which is fine. 13% is, is solid. That's real good. But most of the premier pass rushers have at least that one year or, you know, they'll get to 14, 15, and then they'll have that one 17, 18 year. Miles Garrett has never hit that. Rashawn in year three, not only got his 90 overall grade, um, but also was at 17 or I think it was 18. What was his total? Yeah, including the postseason, he was over 18%, which is unbelievably rare. Uh, And again, that's something that a lot of these guys do once and that's it. And his first big breakout year, he hit that. So pretty exclusive category there for him, even amongst guys like Khalil Mack, who, you know, maybe, maybe will have by the end of his career, a better career than Rashawn Gary. We don't know that yet, but you know, I don't even know if Khalil has had a year like that. I know the sacks weren't where we want them to be, but the the pressures were through the roof. So I guess my answer is yes and no. There, there are some similarities. I see them as a little bit different, but, but there is that similarity at the very least. Anyways, I, I started off the show yesterday with Dakota's uh, faulty call-in, and I was supposed to go back to his actual call when he called back and wanted to <laughs> ask a question, and I forgot. So the only thing we had was his initial call-in of, oops, that beep came quick, I'm going to start over. So let's get to uh, his hey question here. Dakota, y'all know me better as uh, that nerd on Twitter. Speaking of said Twitter, I was scrolling through it, and I saw an advertisement for net or on a Netflix advertisement for a show coming up. Uh, it's coming out August 12th. It has Jamie Foxx, Snoop Dogg, and another gentleman I can't quite recall at the moment. But uh, it's called Day Shift, and they are hunting vampires. That's the whole point. And these vampires are creepy, too. You know, one of them got shot, and they did this weird, you know, body distortion like the grudge, and then they stood up, and yeah, it was a whole thing. So I don't do scary movies. That was kind of creepy. I don't, I don't do creepy movies, but uh, there's nothing on this planet I want to see more than Snoop Dogg hunting vampires. So I guess my question to y'all is, I know Ryan has this thing with Stranger Things at the moment. I just imagine Clayton watches, watches uh, documentaries all day, and I don't know, maybe JJ does the Dr. Squatch commercials on repeat. <laughs> what, what things would y'all like to watch? I'm here listening. Y'all have a nice one. All right. Um, there is a lot there, and I understand the question is to somehow move off the Snoop Dogg thing, but I'm absolutely not going to do that. I've I've never heard of that. Um, I let me Google it real quick, just because. Actually, you know what? I'm not going to Google. It. I'm just I'm just going to trust everything you're telling me is true, and I'm just going to run with it, just because I don't want to be heartbroken and find out that you're. My my first thought upon hearing that is that sounds like the worst thing ever. Um. I've seen Snoop Dogg in a movie before. He was in a wheelchair and he was running away from Denzel Washington. Um, that's the extent of my understanding of of Snoop Dogg. Um, it and 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 Jamie Foxx and they're hunting vampire. I'm trying to figure. Is this like a satire? But you said it's creepy and and like actually like a thing. Whose idea? What? Okay. First of all, Snoop Dogg does not seem like the vampire hunting type. Maybe if it was a zombie movie, because let's be honest, the only thing anybody knows about Snoop Dogg, and we can pretend we know him as a musical person, um, it's that he smokes a lot of weed, right? That's, that, is, that is what we know Snoop Dogg as. You can pretend you're dropping it like it's hot all you want. This dude, All I picture is him just sitting in the dark room in a daze. 
So again, maybe if it's a zombie movie, and I'm talking like Night of the Living Dead zombies, not like the running zombies. I'm talking about the really slow, because he fits in that environment. And by the way, he'd make a better zombie than a zombie hunter because just his disposition and whatnot being stoned all the time. But at least that way it would be like, you know, they're moving slow and he's moving slow. And it's kind of a, it's like a zombie fighting a zombie kind of thing. Could almost be kind of like a, a, a funny thing with, you know, a, a group of stoners against uh, some of the Night of the Living Dead zombies. And, you know, you could maybe do something, but vampires aren't slow. They're, they're, I don't, I don't know what they are, I guess, but, you know, they can move quick. They, they're intelligent and they, plus Snoop just seems more of like a, like a bee, you know, like you don't bother me. I won't bother you kind of thing. And so it would be easy enough for the vampires to just be like, I'm just not going to mess with Snoop Dogg, who apparently is a freaking vampire hunter. I don't know how that came to be. But like, I'll just leave him alone and he'll he'll leave us alone because he doesn't care. It sounds like the worst show I've ever heard in my life. That, you know, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll, when did he say it's coming out? August 12th. Okay, well, whatever. <sighs> By the way, I thought, the, isn't the vampire thing done with? Like that was real big for a while where it was everything was vampires. What was that, like 2010 or something, 2005? I don't know. I just, there was a time when every single thing was vampires and it was all stupid. But it was at least 10 years ago. What, what are we doing with vampires now? I thought, I thought we were, are we moving, because we moved on to zombies and then everything became zombies. Are we going back to vampires? I, I don't know what's going on. Anyways, getting to your uh, question, first of all, I will confirm Clayton watches documentaries all day and JJ does watch Dr. Squat commercials on repeat. I don't even know what that is, but it was hilarious anyways, picturing what that might be and JJ just putting it on repeat. And then his wife walks in and he turns it off real quick and turns on like the History Channel, like, oh, this is a crazy show. Like, don't worry about it. <laughs> but the question was, what kinds of things do y'all like to watch? It is true I'm watching Stranger Things. I'm halfway through the, the finale of season four. Uh, I like it. It's a good show. I mean, it's, it's good enough to the point where I'm sad that it's, that it's ending. You know that I'm a, probably know I'm a big Office fan, and I really like Monk. So that, I guess there's different categories. There are some sitcoms that I like. There's three main categories that I can think of. There's, there's the sitcoms that I like, mostly comedy. And I would, I would throw Monk in that category. It's, it's, just, it's a pretty funny show. But there's The Office. And then I usually go with throwbacks. We've got um, Married with Children, All in the Family, and Sanford and Son are pretty much the go-tos. All very similar. Not The Office, but those three very similar with the stereotypical dad who's kind of a bigot, moron, jerk, whatever, but also is, is hilarious. Then you've got sort of the um, really good drama shows. You've got Stranger Things. You've got... Um, Ozark, Sopranos, the um, t- the teacher who makes drugs, that one. Love those shows a lot. I get super into them. I, I usually am uh, lost is another one. Usually I'm very late to them. Everyone's like, oh, it's the best show in the world. Even Stranger Things, like I, I kind of heard, I would like Google like what are the best shows and that would pop up and I'd be like, eh, I don't know, it sounds stupid. And then finally, I think it was after I, I don't know, it was before I talked to JJ. I don't know, but it's like, fine, I'll watch Stupid Strange. Oh, it's because my daughter really wanted to watch it, and I was going to check out the first episode. Anyways, I'm like, all right, I'll finally watch. That's how it is with all these shows. Every single one of them, it's like, that sounds stupid. I'm not going to watch it. Lost was like five years after that came out. I, I watched it. So I get into those, but I'm always really slow to come around to it because it just doesn't sound interesting, but it just, it just always is. I mean, it's number one, and everyone in the world is obsessed with it for a reason. I think Ozark was the first one that I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. I want to watch it, and then I did, and it was. Um... But then the other final category when there's just really nothing else going on that I, I generally want to watch is reality TV. I dig it. It's also the one category that my wife and I both like. There's a couple that we don't 
Like she's a little bit more on like the uh, America's Got Talent side. I'm not as much, although when I watch it with her, I get into it, but I generally would, I would never choose it by myself. I'm a little bit more on the darker intervention, 300 pound life or whatever that is, 600, 500 pound, whatever it is, pound life. Yeah, 300, 300 pound life is like my life. The 600 pound life is uh, the, the show where people are in much more serious problems. But um, I, I, I'll tell you this. I just recently found out that my television, um, I don't know if it's like Samsung or whatever, there's like a Samsung TV thing on there and they have their own channels and stuff and you flip through. There is a Hell's Kitchen channel that just plays Hell's, Hell's Kitchen 24-7. I have burned that channel out, man. That is one of my favorite uh, shows and I just, I just watch it constantly. So Hell's Kitchen, um, Hoarders, those are probably the two big ones right there. Hoarders is the one that kind of like my wife and I probably like the most together. So we will, we'll check that one out. So that's it. That's those, those are the categories. By the way, I absolutely need recommendations for more of the Stranger Things type shows. Those types of things, I know they're out there. They're really good. And I'm going to hear it. You're going to tell me and I'm going to be like, I don't know. It sounds stupid. I don't want to get invested because it's such an investment and it's like, it sounds dumb. You got to tell me about it. You got to convince me. You got to tell me to just sit down and watch it because I, I, like I said, this is the last episode of Stranger Things, and I'm halfway through it, and when it's done, I have nothing but Hell's Kitchen. And I don't want to spend my life watching Hell's Kitchen. I want to get invested in a really awesome show. So I need recommendations. Call the number. Tell me some recommendations. 608-501-0718. Getting to our next caller. Caller, you're on with uh, Jack the Ripper. <laughs> I have no idea what that's supposed to mean. Just the first thing that popped into my head was a British serial killer. But let's see what uh, Mr. Yankee New Yorker has to say. Yeah, Ryan, I heard your overnight show. This is, uh, you might know me from my two emails to uh, Clayton the other night. I'm Yankee New Yorker. I discussed you being more critical of Rogers than he is. I still, I'm, I'm on your side on that one, by the way. And I'd asked about Will Fuller being available and maybe doing a uh, deal like Sammy Watkins. So anyway, this is Yankee New Yorker and... Uh, I do love your show, and I like Layton's show a lot, too. So I just agree with you more on Rogers. So if you want to use this on air, you can. Thanks a lot, man. Bill from New York. Yankee New Yorker. Tell Clayton. Thanks. <laughs> Flattery will always work on this show, by the way. I like you better than Clayton. That's at least how I heard him say it. I don't, I don't know the exact phrasing, but it was, it was, it was essentially that. <laughs> um, I've, I've always been a big Will Fuller fan. I, I think... Will Fuller is, and I, I addressed this, I don't know, a day or two ago, that there are always these things that either I want or the fans at large want or both or whatever that just seem to make sense. Oh, it was when I was talking about linebacker yesterday, talking about Chris Barnes in comparison to, you know, the, the smaller, faster line. Everybody wants this small, speedy coverage linebacker, and the Packers keep getting these other guys. And you kind of get to the point where you recognize this is what the Packers want, this is what the Packers don't want, and you got to just get over it, right? This is just what it is. Will Fuller kind of falls into that category for me, although there was some talk about possibly uh, Matt LaFleur liking and wanting Will Fuller or whatever, but it's just one of those guys that every time the cycle comes around, we talk about it, we think about it, we, we, we you know, look at how it would be a great fit and all that, and the Packers just never seem to pull the trigger on it. Um, and I think at this point, you got to realize that Will Fuller's cost is going to be very, very low. And so I guess there's two ways to look at the question. Number one, will the Packers do it? And and I think the answer to that is probably no. I think they're comfortable with it uh, the way that it is. 
And then the second way to look at it is, you know, what do I think personally? I, and, I, and I think I'll sympathize with the Packers that they are in a really tough spot. Partially, it's a spot they put themselves in, but it, it just is what it is. The, the complication is we have so many unknowns. And you can look at it through a pessimistic lens and say, none of this is going to work out positively, and so we need to go out and try to f- fix these issues. So we have Alan Lazard, who is one type of wide receiver. We have Randall Cobb, who's another type of receiver. And we don't really know what we have in Sammy Watkins. But Will Fuller is sort of that speed guy on the outside. So at the very least, you can say you got Lazard, who's your big X receiver, kind of maybe, I don't know, maybe Sammy Watkins can take that spot from him. Um, you got Randall Cobb, who's your slot guy, and Will Fuller will be your speed guy down the sideline. The complication is we have a lot of young guys, and we're kind of just giving up on all of them, right? When we went and got Randall Cobb, we kind of doomed Amari Rodgers. He was not going to get a lot of playing time. He was not going to get a lot of experience, and it it ended up stunting his growth, whatever that growth may be. If you go out and get Will Fuller, you're stunting... Christian Watson's growth, which puts you in a situation where either Will Fuller is on the field all the time and and Christian Watson ends up sitting on the bench because we already got that guy, or Christian Watson wins the job, Will Fuller doesn't play very much, and it was a waste of time, energy, and money to bring him in. It ends up being a lose-lose situation, and so the Packers seem to be in a position of saying, this is what we have, we're going to trust it, we're going to run with it. And if things get super dire, Fuller might be available later on and we can look to invest into that, whether it be injury issues or just everybody sucks issues or whatever. You know, maybe um, a guy like Julio will still be out there. There will be options when that time comes. But for the time being, I think this is what it is. And whether or not I agree with that, I don't know. But I understand the the complication with it. And I I also understand the, the, the desire to say, let's just solve the problem. Rather than saying we might have a solution to the problem, let's just solve the problem and not worry about it. And it would be better to, you know, bring in Fuller and Christian Watson ends up being this elite player and we didn't need Fuller to begin with. Aw, shucks. Darn, we have too many good wide receivers. I think I generally understand that, but I I also just understand that that's not how the Packers do things. That's not how a lot of teams do things. But also, it kind of becomes an impossibility when you look at how many positions you would have to do that for. I mean, starting with quarterback, why don't we go get a veteran quarterback just in case? Because, you know, Jordan Love probably can't step in. And even if he can, whatever. If Rodgers goes down, we need a a solution. Um, Probably don't need to do that with running back, but offensive line, why not, right? Let's go get an offensive tackle. Uh, Apparently a deal has not been done with Orlando Brown. Go get him, man. Just go pay the guy. Why not? We can event, we'll eventually move on from David Bakhtiari. We don't have Elton Jenkins for the first maybe half of a season. So, you know, maybe there's a point at which we have three really good offensive tackles. Aw, shucks, oh well. Same with guard, same with center. We don't have another center if Josh Myers um, goes down. And on top of that, we don't even know if Josh Myers is any good. Rather than waiting to find out, why don't we just solve the problem? You could say the same thing with guard. You can say the same thing with tight end. Maybe Tunyon will be great. Maybe DeGuaro will take a step. Maybe uh, Tyler Davis or whatever the guy's name is, it'll, it'll be fantastic. Maybe, 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 or maybe not. Why don't we just fix it? So again, logistically, it's impossible to do that with every single position. So you can't have that as a philosophy. And that also still doesn't address the reality that a lot of times you go out and quote unquote, just fix it. And it doesn't fix it because these guys suck at football, period. Right. Will Fuller, you know, we we assume that Will Fuller will be like the best version of Will Fuller, but every year he gets injured every year. He, you know, comes off injury. Presumably he's lost a step. And so what is his value period? I, I don't know. 
So there's a lot of facets to it, and it's one of those things where I'm, I wouldn't lose my mind either way. I'm, I'm not irate with the Packers for not doing it. I wouldn't be irate if the Packers did do it. I would, I would, you know, force myself to get excited about it, give myself, you know, the 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 most glowing outlook possible. But I, I can, I can sit here and see both sides of it, I guess. But I, I don't expect it to happen. I, I think the Packers are content with what they have, fully understanding that it may not work out, but. Also saying, you know, and, and this is a big part of football too. At some point you get to the sink or swim part of football, right? It's just, this is what we have and it has to work. You have to go perform. Lazard has to be better. Randall Cobb has to be better. Our rookies have to go play. They have to perform. That's just the way it has to be. There is no more help. There, this is the team. Go do it. Anyways, we actually got a bunch more calls coming up, but why don't we take a break here? It's been a half hour already. I feel like we just got started. But um, maybe we won't even get through all these, which would be fine, because then we'll have some, we'll have a good head start for the next episode. But um, we'll take a break and we'll get Jack on the other side. If you want to support this show, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Again, please remember to enter this phone number in your your phone, because you never know when the uh, thought may occur to you, and you're not going to want to have to go back and find it. 608-501-0718. We will take a break and we'll be right back. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Hi, Ryan. This is Jack calling in with somewhat of a more research-intensive question. But I just wanted to give you some ideas considering how deep into the offseason we are at this point. So my question is, if over the last five to ten or how many years we had drafted the best possible people with our picks, how much different would our team look today? Thanks. Have a good day. So that, that is a very good question. Um, definitely something I can elaborate on. In fact, that sounds like a wonderful Substack question. So I will, again, encourage you to go check out packernet.substack.com. I think I'm, I think I'm just going to start on that today, actually. That sounds like a fun thing. But let's just do a cursory look today. And what I want to do is look at it since the Brian Gutekunst era. I know you said 5 to 10, but let's just go back to, to when Gutekunst first started um, rather than looking at the glowing reviews of how good of a job Gutekunst has done, which I think he has done a good job, let's just say he's been horrible and let's pick better players and see how good our team would be. And there are probably better ways to do this also. I mean, much more in-depth ways, but I'm, I'm going to do it again, just because we're kind of doing it on the fly here. 
in a much more simplistic way, which is to essentially look at where the Packers did draft. I'm not going to say, well, what if, you know, this was a trade? What if we traded? What if we didn't trade or all that stuff? And then on top of that, you know, technically the next best player was some guy that went in the third round. We should have taken him. I'm going to look at picks that were made within, let's say, five picks after to see did the Packers get the best player or should they have gone in a different direction? How's that for an exercise? Does that work? So first of all, and we got a lot of picks here, but, um, and I probably won't. Well, yeah, we will. Uh, we'll, we'll go through them. Jair Alexander, Leighton Vander Esch, Frank Ragnow, Billy Price, Rashawn Evans. I think we got the right guy. Um, Billy Price is solid. Frank Ragnow would be the only real competition, maybe the best center in all of football. But again, you cannot underestimate the value of a true lockdown corner. Now, the only caveat would be, do we know Jair is going to be the best? Maybe he regresses. Da, 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 da. Frank, we know. Whatever. I'm sticking with Jair. Next up, we got Josh Jackson, Breland Speaks, Christian Kirk, Uchenna Nuosu, or Dallas Goddard. Definitely missed on just about every single one of these. Um, I'm not positive where Nuosu's at. Speaks, I think, is somewhat of a, maybe like a th- edge three type of guy. But Christian Kirk and Dallas Goddard would be much better additions. Clearly, Dallas Goddard would be um, probably my pick. I mean, I, I, I like Christian Kirk. He just got paid a billion dollars, but I think he's overpaid. Um, Dallas is one of the best tight ends in football right now. Um, also kind of speaks to the Packers not really investing a lot in tight end, and we have we have missed. You know, this is an area where the Packers are just not going to do that. I've never seen them do that, take a tight end this early. But it's a clear example of, man, I wish we would have, because we would have an elite tight end right now. So swing and a miss on that one. Um, Oren Burks, Joseph Noteboom, Dedrin Sanat, Taquan Smith, Chikwoma Okorafor. Oren Burks obviously isn't panning out, but you're not hearing, and I'm not going to look up every single one of these players, but, you know, it, it the other the only reason why I wanted to to look at kind of all of these is just to off the top of your head did we really miss out on super elite players? Traquan Smith can play football. There's, there's there's no doubt, and I would I would take him over Oren Burks. Obviously, probably take most of these guys, but you know we're not talking about you know Julio Jones here, uh, Jamon Moore, Chase Edmonds, Jonathan Franklin Myers, Marquise Haynes, and Dalton Schultz. Hilariously, Dalton Schultz is the other tight end that. <laughs> that we've been talking kind of a lot about. Um, and again, we missed out on a tight end. We went with wide receiver Javon Moore. We should have taken a tight end. I'm, I'll be curious as we continue on, and maybe I won't go to the fifth and sixth round and all that stuff. I don't know, but um, it, it will be interesting to keep track of how many times there were really good tight ends available and we missed out on them. My, my thought is there's not that many good tight ends generally, so we, we usually don't miss out on them. But yeah, very shortly after we pick a tight end goes, that is a very good tight end, and Dalton Schultz is another one of them. Shortly after we took Cole Madison, uh, comparisons would be R.J. McIntosh, Maurice Hurst, Shaquem Griffin, D.J. Reed. Uh, D.J. Reed is not horrible. Shaquem Griffin, I don't think, was terrible. Maurice Hurst was not terrible. So um, probably a pretty big swing and a miss on that one as well. Then in the fifth round, we were within five picks of each other. We had J.K. Scott, then Jonathan Townsend, then MVS, then Damian Ratley, and John Kelly. In fact, we keep going Duke, Ejiofor, Christian Sam, Perry Nickerson, Fuller Runcie, Fatu Kasi. Bottom line is in that whole span, uh, the only guys that were really worth anything are MVS and maybe J.K. Scott. I don't know. I, I like J.K. Scott. Nobody else does. 
But to be able to hit back, I mean, the point is I can keep on reading and there's just nobody. At, at this level of the draft, it doesn't really matter. Uh, even in round six, Equinemius St. Brown, you look at it and say, what a garbage pick. Was it, though? Compared to who? Braxton Berrios, Cornell Armstrong, Jordan Thomas, Greg Sanat, Colby Gossett, Peter Columbayi. Uh, just, I mean, it's, 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 there's just nobody here. So the fact that the guy played and is on a team and is starting is, is better than basically everybody else. So I would say based on the 2018 draft, just, just very, very cursory overlook, we missed out on some weapons. There was at least one wide receiver that we could have gotten that we didn't, and there were two tight ends that we missed out on. Moving on to 2019, we took um, Darnell's, oh wait, we missed, uh, Rashawn Gary was our first pick that year. The other picks were Christian Wilson, Chris Lindstrom, Dwayne Haskins, and Brian Burns. We did get the right guy. It was assumed that Brian Burns would be better. He has definitely not been. Um, Christian Wilkins is solid, but the other the other good thing, about, especially about the early picks, is even if there are other hits, if you get a hit at guard like Chris Lindstrom, tackle like Chris Christian Wilkins, which is valuable, um, you know, aside from quarterback, you're not going to find quarterback and cornerback. You're not going to find too much more um, than you know, pass rusher or tackle or whatever. Which is why the Packers regularly are looking at quarterback, edge rusher, cornerback. They're taking the most valuable positions for a reason. They want the most value. And there's there's an upper end value to a guard that you just, you cannot get any higher than. There isn't a guard in football that will be as valuable as Rashawn Gary if he hits his full potential for an extended period of time. Darnell Savage, um, Andre Dillard, Titus Howard, Josh Jacobs, and Hollywood Brown. I think that puts it in somewhat of a positive light because none of those guys, Dillard might be okay. Not positive what Titus Howard is up to. Josh Jacobs is a running back, so I don't super care. I mean, he's, he's solid, but whatever. Um, and Hollywood Brown is is pretty mediocre. So, you know, would it be better if we got an Andre Dillard? Yeah, probably, although we don't really need him at this point. Who would, who would I just straight up trade him for? Uh, based on the team that we have, I think Dillard would be the only one. But um, I'm good with Savage because the, the, the problem is, would you trade Savage for Dillard? You're getting a third tackle and now you don't have a safety. So I think I'm good with what we've got. Um, after that, it was Elton Jenkins, Jawan Williams, Greedy Williams, Marquise Blair, and Eric McCoy. I haven't even heard of any of these guys since since that time. I don't know if any of these guys are playing, and if so, how much. Uh, I think Greedy Williams kind of fell off real early. Jawan Williams, I've heard nothing about. Marquise Blair and Eric McCoy, I've heard nothing about. So that was absolutely knocked it out of the park. Um, round three, Jay Sternberger, Terry McLaurin, Chase Winovich, Michael Dieter and David Long, that's an easy one. Jay Sternberger for Terry McLaurin would be massive, and we would have a very good wide receiver instead of Jay Sternberger, so that sucks. Um, After that, Kingsley Kiki, Andrew Van Ginkle, uh, Kadri Olison, Rosh Pierschbacher, and Jordan Scarlett. I mean, I don't want any of them, so kind of a miss, but not in terms of how much would our team be better, not very. Kadar Holman, Ty Johnson, Jawan Winfrey, kind of hilarious, David Long, or Drew Forbes. Well, we could trade for Jawan Winfrey, except he's already, you know, don't need to do that. I guess we'll stick with what we got. Uh, Dexter Williams, Xavier Crawford, Blasson Austin, Trace McSorley, Tim Harris. Uh, Dexter isn't on the team right now. In fact, he's crushing it over at some other league, but I still wouldn't trade him. 
because I don't know what any of these other guys are doing. And uh, I was glad Dexter was on our team for the time that he was. So what did we really miss out on in 2019? Not a lot. I mean, the, the the biggest one obviously is Terry McLaurin. So again, weapons, and we, and and this is a case where we took a tight end and we we shouldn't have. So we we've missed out on on two wide receivers and two tight ends. I would say over the last two years, in 2020, uh, Jordan Love, Jordan Brooks, Patrick Queen, Isaiah Wilson, and Noah Igbenogany. I know this is one of the most hated picks in Packers history, but. I certainly don't want Jordan Brooks or Patrick Queen at all. And you can sit here and say, well, it'd be better than Jordan Love all you want. I don't care. I don't want him. And I'm not trading him because that's garbage. Um, Isaiah Wilson, the Tennessee Titans tackle. Isn't that the guy that got in all kinds of trouble? Pretty sure. And then Noah Igbenogany, the corner. Um, I mean, I guess, man, if, if you want. I don't know what he's doing right now. I haven't really heard his name. I know he's not killing it out there, but... If you just absolutely hate Jordan Love and want him off the team and, and don't believe that there's any chance he could ever be a quality quarterback, then I guess go get some second-rate corner. I don't know. Um, A.J. Dillon, Willie Gay, Jeremy Chin, Logan Wilson, Antonio Gibson. Uh, I know Panthers fans love Jeremy Chin, but I'm not giving up A.J. Dillon for nothing, so I'm keeping that. Josiah DeGuara, McTelvin Agim, Lucas Niang, Jacob Phillips, Malik Harrison. Um, again... A lot of people not big fans of Josiah DeGuara, but I don't know a single thing about McTelvin Agim, uh, Lucas Niang. I think he's starting. Mean, he might be doing okay. Maybe that would be a trade, but nothing super massive here. And I like Josiah, so I'll probably keep him again. Another tackle that you could maybe trade for, but don't super need. Um, Kamal Martin, KJ Osborne, Mike Dana, Justin Stranod, and Bradley and I. I don't know, maybe Bradley and I, the pass rusher for Dallas, but um, it doesn't really matter. I mean, trade for anybody you want. Who, If you can find a guy that's still playing, I guess go get him, but there's we're not missing out for much there. John Runyon, Robert Windsor, Khalil Davis, Justin Heron, Sean Bradley. I'm keeping Runyon. Um, Jake Hansen, Simon Stepniak, Prince Tega Wanogo, Isaiah Rogers, Desmond Patman, Jordan Glasgow. I mean, we got a backup center out of this group, but who would I trade them for? I don't know. I don't know what any of these guys are doing. So really not much here. I don't see anybody in the seventh round that's doing anything. So what did we miss out on in 2020? Based on the way we're doing this, not much. In terms of like majorly improving our team, pretty much nothing. And then finally, 2021, um, Hard to know for sure based on just one year of of play, but um, Eric Stokes was our first pick. Compare that with Gregory Rousseau, Odafe Owe, Joe Tryon, or Tyson Campbell. I'm sticking with Eric Stokes pretty comfortably. Um, Josh Myers, Creed Humphrey, Kyle Trask, Andrew Sisko, Kellen Mond. I would probably trade for Creed Humphrey, who's also a center, just because he came out of the league and was just absolutely dominant. Um have seen it before where guys have really good rookie years and fall off. The Bears with Cody Whitehair as a rookie was like the best center in football and then just has gotten worse every single year. So it still remains to be seen. But sure, I would tr- upgrade our our center, I guess you could say. Amari Rogers, Wyatt Davis, Kendrick Green, Trey Sermon, or Nico Collins, the wide receiver. You could go Nico. I don't know that he's doing a ton for the Texans. Um, Trey Sermon didn't do much as a running back. Kendrick Green, I don't know anything about for the Steelers. Wyatt Davis, the offensive guard for the Minnesota Vikings. I don't, I don't know. 
I'm, I'm comfortable letting it ride with Amari, but you do whatever you want to do, I guess. Uh, Royce Newman was our starting offensive lineman all year, so that's pretty solid. But potential replacements, uh, Tyree Gillespie, Josh Kando, Luke Farrell, Jamie and Sherwood. I'm going to stick with Royce. Uh, TJ Slayton, Ernest Brown, Jason Pinnock, KJ Britt, and Cameron McGrone. I'm going to stick with TJ Slayton. Shamar Jean Charles, Simi Fahoko, Talanu Hafunga, Cornell Powell again. And, and you know, th- these may become more common names over the years, but based on what I know about any of these guys today, I got nothing. Cole Van Lannen, Brady Breeze, Quincy Roche, Khalil Herbert, Sam Ellinger. I, you know, I don't know. Cole Van Lannen got some starts in training camp. Let's see what he can do. Isaiah McDuffie, Daz Newsom, Thomas Fletcher, Tay Gowan, Jacoby Stevens, I'm I'm good. Kylan Hill, Jamar Jefferson, Dax Milne, Grant Stewart, and there's nobody else after that because that was the end of the draft. I'm sticking with Kylan Hill. So um, so far, we'll we'll see. I'm sure they're going to end up emerging some really good players that we could have gotten. But you know, looking back over Gutekunst's tenure, and and again, you can go beyond five picks. You can look at all kinds of players that would have been better picks. But um, just looking at the picks immediately after five picks later or whatever. We missed out on some wide receivers and a couple tight ends. Uh, and and considering the situation we're in, missing out on um, weapons would have been nice. You know, Terry McLaurin stands out as, man, that would have been nice. But ultimately, you know, to, to go back that in-depth and um, to most of the time say I'm comfortable with the, the Packers having taken the right pick is, it's pretty awesome because you would think you'd have a one in five shot. And granted, it's you, you can you can have different conclusions than me, but I'm I'm mostly comfortable with with almost all the picks, especially the early round picks, first and second round. The Packers largely have knocked out of the park, which is super rare and super awesome because the value in the first round obviously is is very high. Anyways, let's rip through JJ's three calls, and then we're going to call it a day. But uh, he was having himself an an emotional moment here, where <laughs> he would. Uh, well, you, you'll you'll see what's what happens here. This is JJ. I'm calling in to say I can't believe what you did to me on the first episode of the Packer Night podcast, which is a stupid name. You're stupid. Completely unfair, unreasonable. I don't smell. Aaron smells. And I also just need to state for the record, I love our listeners. Most of them. Some of them are mean, but most of them are very, very intelligent. And I think that any one of our listeners would make a better podcast host because they're nice to me. Better than you? Not very many of them. Probably. Most of them are mean to me. But the nice ones would be great podcast hosts. And they're all very smart. And Bruce is extremely smart. I would never pay Bruce because I'm poor and I don't have money. And also, I want it to be known that I was not drunk when I called in last time. Many people said that I sounded drunk and made fun of the way I sounded. And I just, look, I have recorded 250 podcast episodes so far. There's a wealth of audio samples of what my voice sounds like. So if you're saying, wow, I didn't know your voice sounded like that, then you're just saying that you don't listen to my podcast. And that hurts my feelings even more. So I just am hurt and offended. And I think that this is the worst podcast idea ever so i don't think that the anti-jj podcast idea is a good one and you should never do it again ever 
So this this is how it began. This this was JJ listened to it and um, was not happy to hear that he was the butt of like one joke. Although um, Bruce came to his defense and said he's he's better than me. So uh, it, it started off with despair, and then um, you know as as the grieving went away, he somewhat changed his tune. This is JJ. <laughs> I've had a change of heart. If we're gonna accept donations, that. Uh, will go into my pocket, then I am very much in favor of a podcast that trashes JJ. But Aaron still smells. So to be fair, when we did our live streams, there was regular trashing of JJ, and I don't, again, I don't know why, but there was somewhat of an understood thing that you would send in a donation uh, prior to trashing JJ. So we may have to set up a fund <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how that would work, but you know, you just throw in a dollar and then then you get to say something bad about JJ or 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 maybe just head over to his Patreon. I don't exactly know what it is, probably JJ Leahy at Patreon or something. I don't know. But um just just head over there, drop him a buck a month or something and then you get to come over here daily and that that's your that's your payment to be able to come here and just say JJ is, is stupid and smells or whatever. But um ultimately that's up to you. You 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 do whatever you want. So JJ went from sadness to uh, you know realizing that he could capitalize on um, on this situation, which I, again I respect that part of him. He is a greedy capitalist and whatnot, who has self-respect only in so far as um, you know. I mean, it's it's for sale. And then comes the anger. <laughs> I don't know about the stages of grief or whatever, but uh, he's he's going through all of them right here. I just think it's time that Clayton <laughs> gets some trashing too. Nobody ever makes fun of his over-the-top hillbilly accent, you know, he's got this, like, fake, super nice guy exterior. He's, like, trying to, you know, like, lure you in with, like, oh, I got some delicious sweet tea for you, and I got a banjo right here, and then you get in a little bit closer, and your roadhouse kicks you in the head and lectures you about Packers history. I mean, come on, what's up with that? I, I will say there might be something to that. Um... There's no question there's something about that Southern hospitality thing, not hospitality. So endearing, and it just, it's, you know, you, you listen to him, and you're like, that's a good guy right there. You don't know why. He didn't do anything. It's the same reason you listen to a British guy, and you're like, that guy's smart as heck. He, he, could, he could, not like London British. Those guys sound not super smart, but, you know, like the, the um, not the Cockney, but the, what is it, elevated something or another? Is it LP or EP or something? I think it's EP. Elevated EP. I don't remember. You just think that, that that person is super smart. They might be a complete idiot, but it doesn't matter. However, again, if you watch the live stream with us, when Roadhouse came up, and we can, we can joke about it, but look in that man's eyes. There is a dark side to Clayton. <laughs> there is. I mean, he went from like everybody's best friend to literally going and getting rifles and pointing them at us. Now, granted, we weren't there with him. It was, it was, you know, he pointed it at his own computer, which, you know, is weird in its own right. But it, it makes you wonder. Maybe that's just like a Southern thing in general, you know? Like the, there's, there's that sweet thing that just lays on top. But when you crack past the, um, the politeness, when, when you cross the line, for Clayton, that's Roadhouse. But whatever that line is, you're in trouble. I don't know. I don't live down there. I don't know how it works. But I would just say tread lightly with Clayton, man. Nicest guy you'll ever meet, but I think if you cross him, I think you're going to have some problems. I don't know that. I'm kind of making that up on the fly. And, and if uh, 
If Clayton's offended by me saying this, I just want it known that JJ started it. He should be the one that is blamed for this entire segment. But um, I am I am honestly shocked that we are an hour into this. I have to get going. My family actually thought thought the plan was to go to the fair. I have not gotten any angry text messages of, excuse me, we got to get going. But uh, I do have to get going. So you guys have yourselves a fantastic day. We've got two phone calls sitting here. That's not going to be enough for a full show. So make sure you call in. If you do, we'll have another one scheduled for tonight or tomorrow night. But either way, you guys have a great day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye.